What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. It is uh, just after midnight here in Starkville. It has been an eventful day around the state of Mississippi due to the weather. I hope that you all are safe and uh, had no property damage. But a lot of people out there really had some issues. And so if you're one of those, our thoughts and prayers go out to you. It uh, It's, one, it's that, that time of year. You know, we're starting to see... Warmer weather get here. I think it was 85 earlier this week. Uh, not real happy about that. But uh, that's the life and times we choose, right? So if you had to deal with that, I apologize on behalf of the rest of us that uh, it didn't. I tell you, we had, some, uh, we had some weather here, too. There was some, there was some I won't say tornadic weather, but, man, I tell you what, there was, uh, there was a major thunderstorm that came through Starkville. It's a good thing we weren't playing a ball game here. I know they played one up the road, and we'll get to that a little bit later in the show. But, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of things going on around the state. A lot of good things happening with Mississippi State Athletics. As you guys know, uh, men's and women's, I guess, uh, tennis both made the tournament. I believe that's correct. And then, uh, you know, we've got some other teams playing for postseason as well. And I would be remiss if I did not mention that uh, Coach Ricketts, Softball ladies won the series against South Carolina over the weekend. It has been a bit of a frustrating SEC schedule for the softball program, but uh, they, they pick up a win here a couple weeks ago in the league and then picked up a couple over the weekend uh, against South Carolina. It, it's, it's interesting. You know, we had such a great start to the year last year, didn't get in a conference play, kind of a similar thing this year. But I believe Coach Ricketts is going to do a good job for us, and I think it's really some matter of time before that program gets uh, gets going in the right direction. And, and I, I like Tyler Bratton a lot. They're recruiting very, very hard, and they believe that they've got some uh, some good players coming in. So now the Bulldogs, uh, you know, currently twenty seven and twenty two overall, and three and fifteen in the conference, seventeen and six at home, and nine and fifteen on the road. Not a lot left, obviously, but uh, you know, listen, we got to make some hay here try to find a way to get in the tournament. I think we all kind of recognize the fact that, um, you know, it's a little bit of a rebuild for us. I don't know if we fully expected that. I mean, I don't know where pitching was expected to be, but, 
you know, when you, uh, you've got Fa and you've got Mia, you got a chance, you know. And so maybe, maybe we've turned the corner a little bit here. Maybe we'll be a little, little hotter down the stretch. But you're um, good to get that win on the road in South Carolina. We, win the, uh, we lose the first game 8-7 and then win 6-2 and 7-1. It'll be Tennessee and Starkville today. We're going to play a doubleheader in Starkville. And then we'll play Georgia in a three-game set this weekend. And uh, then the SEC tournament will be here. So not much left in the regular season. And so hopefully the Bulldogs can kind of find some momentum late and kind of keep things going there from uh, South Carolina. I know many of you really enjoy going to those games. I've had some friends of mine that tell me they never expected to be softball fans. But the next thing you know, their daughters are playing high school softball. So there is a vested interest in the sport of softball. They love to go. It's free to get in at News Park. They go and they enjoyed the fast-paced action. If you've ever watched a softball game, things happen pretty quick. They absolutely do. So if you're in town, maybe perhaps go by and check them out and, um, you know, and go by and support them. They could certainly, certainly use that. And speaking of support, I want to thank you guys too. I don't know if you guys know this, but all three books that I've written so far that have been published have all been on the Mississippi bestsellers list, and that's kind of a dream come true. We're three for three. Of course, the fourth book will be out June the 7th. Blooms of Oleander. It's not a sports book, even though I do have a short story in there about me and my dad that references some Mississippi State stuff. It's not a sports book per se, but uh, some cool things in there. I'm very, very proud of it. Listen, it's one of those things, too. I kind of did this one on my own, and so probably made some mistakes along the way, so I ask that you forgive me of that. But um, a couple things, I went, I read it again last night. There were a couple things I, I would have changed in the edit, but it's done now. I guess that's kind of the beauty of art, right? I mean, you get it one way and you feel good about it and you submit it. And a couple of grammatical things that I caught that I uh, wish I would have caught in the final edit, but, you know, nothing major. Just a comma out, missing here, and, you know, maybe there's a question mark where there shouldn't be. But, uh, you know, I'm excited about it. And uh, my sister Reagan, for those of you that don't know, my sister Reagan came to Mississippi State to be an artist. And uh, my dad died and she elected to move home to be with her mom, which was the right decision. She's always been very artistically inclined, and so I asked her to uh, design the cover. And so we're going to do this again at some point. I, I haven't officially asked her yet, but uh, I just recently, one of the things that I always do for myself is once a book is put into publication, it goes off to print, I go ahead and make a movie poster of the, uh, of the cover and hang it up on the wall around here. You know, what's the point in having some rocks if you can't throw one every once in a while? But we'll do another one here in a couple of years. Maybe next year. We'll see. It kind of depends on how well this one does. But uh, you know, early returns are really good, very favorable. A lot of excitement among bookstores and you guys as well. So if you're looking for the current books, that's Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, and Stark Villains, you can find them at alphadogsthebook.com. You can get all three of them right there. And you can get them personalized. So Mother's Day is coming up. Father's Day is coming up. Many of you are thinking, what can I get mom? What can I get dad? Well, if you've got big Bulldog fans in your life that read, or maybe they don't read, maybe you want them to read, maybe they need to read, you can go get those books right there. And then the book Blooms of Oleander going to be available in three different formats. Going to be the hardback edition, going to be a paperback edition, and also an ebook. And you'll be able to get those at great Mississippi bookstores, but also, too, you know, through Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. And that'll take a few weeks to kind of get that stuff done. So it's all in the can. We're just kind of waiting on, uh, you know, things to kind of run through that process. Um, I, I'm in contact with the publisher every single day, it seems. 
despite the fact the writing process being over, but they're keeping me updated. You know, there's always copyrights and ISBN numbers and Library of Congress stuff. There's all kind of stuff that goes into this stuff. And by me not publishing the other three, you know, there's some things that I learned this time through that uh, were valuable, valuable lessons, I guess you could say. And I've got a great appreciation from uh, for, for Paul Brown. You know, Paul's a guy that has really helped me and been really a mentor to me and uh, ensured that the first three books were published. And he handled all the business side of that stuff. I didn't have to deal with it. And so really grateful for Paul because there are a lot of times, too, when I would get kind of hung up on something, I could say, hey, Paul, what do you think about this? And then, you know, Paul could uh, kind of walk me through it. This has been a little different, even though Paul's helped with some things. Uh, this has been really kind of live without a net for me. But I've enjoyed the process and looking forward to you guys having a chance to read it. I have shared some uh, some sneak previews with some people to very good returns. And uh, these are not just people that are always going to blow smoke up my skirt. And so I think you guys are going to enjoy it. And uh, it's, again, a lot of it's very personal. Some of it's autobiographical. Some of it's just stuff that I was inspired to write. You know, I'm one of those kind of people that when I'm riding around, there's always things in my head, and so I put them in the notes on my phone, and then I'll go back and work on them, and I'll make something out of them. And I had all this stuff just kind of laying around that I had written, and I thought, you know, I ought to do something with this. And so Blooms of Oleander was born. So looking forward to you guys having that, looking forward to having that on the market. And, again, I'm not going to tour heavily for this one like I did the uh, the three sports books. We'll do some things. We'll go, we're going to do a launch party in early June downtown Starkville at Book Martin Cafe. So if you're in the area and you'd like to come by and get you know, copies right away, come by and maybe meet me or whatever, you can do that. And I'll have details on that as we get a little bit closer. So they're, they're making the arrangements now. The book is set to be published on June 7th, and then shortly thereafter, we will have the launch party right here in Starkville, Mississippi. We'll have a book reading and answer questions and that sort of stuff. And so looking forward to all that. Those are things that uh, years ago just kind of seemed like a dream to me, and now they're pretty much part of my everyday life. Seem like there's always somewhere to be and something to do, and I'm always signing books, it seems. And many of those online orders, you know, about once a week, I got to go over there and sign books. And so there's plenty of those to go around. So, again, if you're looking for them, reach out and get them. And I was in the lounge on Saturday, excuse me, yeah, on Saturday, and I don't get to do that very often. And I shared that with you guys on the show on Monday. But I had people that stopped me and say, Hey, Steve, I've always wanted to read your books. What order should I read them in? And I'll just tell you, whatever order you want. They're not necessarily written you know, chronologically. So if you want to read Alpha Dogs because, you know, maybe you want to read about Jake Mangum and Rafael Palmero, you can do that. Then you can work your way back to Stark Villains. I would read them in the order they were written. You know, Flim Flam was first and then Stark Villains and then Alpha Dogs. But I have a lot of people that got Alpha Dogs as their first book of mine, and they're kind of working backwards. So you can do that. You don't have to read them in order. You won't have missed anything. I kind of wrote them with that in mind. So... Again, that's Alpha Dogs, the book. And a lot of you guys continue to ask about the Stark Villain Church because they're popping up on TV, and that is a really cool thing. And uh, I think Angel and Ashley Camp the most for that because uh, they have been cited multiple times behind home plate during broadcast. And I, every time I get a text message or people find me on social media and say, Hey, Steve, I see somebody on camera with a Stark Villain shirt. Where do I get one of those? Well, you go to StarkVillains.com. And you can get them in multiple sizes or colors or whatever you'd like there. And uh, we're working on some other things there. Maybe making some changes to the shirt business here in the in the months to come. But for right now, you can find it at startvillains.com. Go check it out today. <clears throat> Appreciate you guys and all your support all these many years. 
Speaking of support, Bulldog Burger Company, not only do they support me and this show, they support the greater Starville community. Bulldog Burger has been a great partner for me, I'll tell you, not just because of the fact that they're, they're local, but because it's just a quality operation. And every time I have a conversation with John Bean, it's always, you know, hey, things are going great at Bulldog Burger Company. Even one of the things that I loved is even when our community was at need during the quarantine, they made it as easy as possible to do business. They did curbside service. You could call in. You could do online orders. And you can still do that. Go to eatwithus.com, and you can order from Bulldog Burger Company. You can order from uh, the Sweet Peppers Grill or Harvey's uh, Central Station Grill. Matter of fact, I ate there earlier this week. Love going to that place. We really do. So Bulldog Burger Company, though, is, uh, is that's one of those things, too, where it, it is, it's a great night out for the family where you're not going to break the bank. And more times than not, you're going to bring food home with you because the portions are so generous. So go check them out today. Have the full of bologna. Matter of fact, I'm starting to get some testimonials from you guys. Hey, Steve, I tried it. Uh, two people tell me they love the chow chow. One person said they preferred it without the chow chow. That's the cool thing. You can get it either way. Go check that out today. But again, I'm on that grilled chicken club. I think the last three times now, that's what I've gotten is the grilled chicken club because it is so great. You will enjoy it too. And always have the spring rolls when you go. They'll make you better looking. We all need more of that, don't we? We all want to be more beautiful. It takes a lot of work for me to be this beautiful. You know, I got to have all these tattoos and this hair. Some of you, it's natural for you, but I got to work hard at it. So those spring rolls are a, a nice addition for me to my, my beauty regimen. Two locations to serve you right now. University Drive right here in Start Vegas and then Gloucester Street in Tupelo. And coming soon, coming soon to central Mississippi. All you folks in Ridgeland and Madison, go ahead and get ready. It'll be here before you know it. They're in the process of hiring and getting people trained. It's going to be absolutely wonderful. And got an experienced manager down there. Ian Few is a great guy, man. I've gotten to know Ian really well the last few years. Really appreciate him and all the things that he's done uh, you know, to kind of help me. But uh, he's going to be down there. I'll miss him being here, but he'll do a great job uh, down there for you folks. Again, that's Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, so let's get you guys up to date on what happened in SEC baseball on Tuesday. Of course, Mississippi State plays the Citadel on Wednesday. We will preview that here shortly. Uh, But looking around the league, there were a couple of games that were canceled due to weather, and that's North Florida at South Carolina and then UAB at Auburn. And it seems like Auburn's had a little tough time with weather this year. They've lost a ton of one-run games, and they've lost – the opportunity to play some winnable non-conference games due to weather. I don't think those games will be made up either. I think Auburn's just kind of in one of those situations. They're not going to, you know, to reschedule those games. And so Butch and those guys are just going to have to continue to play hard and hopefully uh, win some games in the SEC tournament. I think we all kind of see where this, this year is going for Auburn. I do think that they'll be a better team next year, so we'll see. But uh, some, big, some big results. The first one that really jumps out to you is uh, Louisville 7, Vanderbilt 2. And for those of you that are keeping up with such, Vanderbilt has now lost 4 of 6, dating back their loss to us. It's incredible to think about that. We would beat them on Saturday. They lose on Sunday. Then they lose 2 out of 3 over the weekend to Florida and then drop a ball game uh, to Louisville. And those are all three teams that are expected to be in the NCAA tournament. It really does appear that Vanity's beginning to fade. Now, they should get right this weekend with Alabama. But this is a Vanderbilt team that I think is very vulnerable. We've had some discussions over on the jeanspage.com message board. You know, somebody kind of trolling a little bit 
uh, brings up that he thinks Jack Leiter's not good. Jack Leiter is a machine, but there have been, uh, I guess, you know, some some chinks in the armor here, or kinks in the armor, excuse me, here in the last uh, month or so. They Vanderbilt has lost Jack Leiter's last three starts, and somebody brought up to me and says, "Well, hey, what about our starters? I mean, what does that say about our starters?" Well, I, I'll tell you what it says about them. We uh, Christian McLeod, we have won two of his last three starts. Will Bednar, we've won two of his last three starts. And Jackson Fristo, we've won two of his last three starts. Now, those guys haven't gone as deep in ball games as we have wanted, and we certainly would like to see them pitch better. But we're still winning ball games, And so it's not a really a good comparison there. I think it, it, it is impossible to ignore the fact that something is wrong with Jack Leiter. I ran the numbers today, too. In his last three starts, Jack Leiter has allowed eight home runs. Eight. And you say, well, Steve, is that a lot? Well, let me put it to you this way. Mississippi State's got one pitcher that has allowed more than eight the entire season, and that's Christian McLeod. You know, he gave a bunch to Arkansas. And so that's a lot of home runs in a short time for Jack Leiter. And so if you're Vanderbilt and you're Tim Corbin, you got to start getting a little concerned about this because, okay, you've got Kumar Rocker out there who was an absolute freak on Friday nights. And after watching him pitch in person – I can tell you TV doesn't do it justice to see a guy that big and that athletic you know, kind of shove as well as he does. I mean, that, that's a guy that, that is, is going to pitch for a long time. And he's a guy, too, because he's so big, he hides the baseball so well and it's on you so quickly. But you begin to think, okay, well, we can count on that win, but where's the other wins come from in a regional format? Where do the other wins come from in a super regional format? And so I think Vandy is very vulnerable right now. And I think in, unless they can get Jack Leiter back on track, they're in, they're in real danger of not making it to Omaha. I know a lot of people are projecting them to make Omaha. I, I would tell you right now, if I, had to, if, you, if I had to bet money today, I would bet that Vanderbilt does not make it to Omaha, despite the fact they've had this great front-line pitching most of the year. But as we have seen, they're pretty pedestrian when they don't get elite pitching on Friday and Saturday nights. And you could say, well, Steve, that's the case for everybody. Well, yeah, that, that offense they have is kind of anemic at times. You know, when you're only giving up one to two runs a ball game, you're going to win more times than not. Well, now that's not happening. Now you got to get out there and go score some runs. And then you got guys like Will Bednar on Saturday. There are a lot of people out there to have a quality number two. And then Sunday pitching has been a complete disaster for Vanderbilt at times. And it makes us even matter that we didn't get them on that Sunday. So they lose another ball game to Louisville here. And now you begin to kind of really take a look at this and say, you know what, this, this Vanderbilt team is not what it has been. And we all kind of knew that. We've talked about it on the show most of the year. This is not the same team that they have been. But a lot of those woes offensively have kind of been covered up by the fact that they have uh, you can kind of held people down a couple runs ball game. All right, let's look ahead. Stetson in Florida. Florida, of course, uh, does take two out of three from Vanderbilt. They take care of Stetson down in Gainesville, nine to six. This Florida team, too, has a chance to kind of ride a lot of wrongs. You may recall Florida was the preseason number one in most polls and picked to win the SEC. This is still a very, very talented team. Leftwich is absolutely filthy. And when Mace is on, he's absolutely filthy as well. And so you're starting to see Florida begin to kind of figure some things out. They were embarrassed. They got swept by South Carolina. And that's when a lot of people said, hey, well, South Carolina's a lot better than we thought. And Florida, maybe not as good as we thought. 
I think now you look at that and say, you know what? These two teams are headed in opposite directions. Maybe Florida's getting it figured out, and people have figured South Carolina out. I hope that's the case because we need to go up there and win a couple ball games this weekend. But don't be the least bit surprised if Florida doesn't make a real strong run at this thing here at the end of the regular season. Of course, they end the year at Arkansas, and then that'll be an absolute dogfight. I mean, if you're if you're a guy that's not going to games and you want to sit around and watch college baseball all weekend, you watch Mississippi State play on the tube but then flip over and watch uh, Florida and Arkansas play, uh, that could be a series that goes a long way in determining the postseason pecking order too. You know, Arkansas hadn't lost a series all season, but there have been several opportunities to sweep and they've lost a Sunday game. I think it's just really a matter of time, especially the fact they don't have shutdown pitching. They've got that great offense, but uh, yeah, there's gonna be there will be a day when they run into a pitcher that is going to be outstanding. Maybe that's Kumar Rocker. Who knows? Maybe that's in Hoover. But I believe there are going to be some ball games that they have an opportunity to lose, and I think that Florida series is is absolutely huge. So don't count Florida out yet. It's a very talented team again that I think is really beginning to play its best baseball. Uh, Texas A&M goes on the road to UT Arlington, and they win the ball game 8-4. Of course, uh, A&M host Ole Miss this weekend. I-, I touched on this a little bit on Monday, and and maybe this is just really a, a credit to Rob Childress. Rob Childress's team played exceptional against Mississippi State. They absolutely did. And I asked Chris Lamontis about it. I had a chance to interview Chris for a story I wrote for the uh, membership over at Gene's page you know, about going home for the Citadel. You know, Chris, of course, played at the Citadel and was a uh, assistant coach there, spent 17 years there in Charleston. But you begin to kind of break this thing down, and, and you know, Rob Childress is one of those guys who's kind of a blue-collar guy. We talk about teams taking on the personality of their coach. That's kind of what you got with A&M. They've had some tough luck this year, but they're still playing with a lot of effort. Those guys still believe, you know what, if, if we can get to Hoover, anything can happen. We can string some wins together here at the end and get into the field at Hoover. We've still got a chance to extend our season. And I didn't think they shied away from competition at all last weekend against us. I mean, I was so impressed with Boss, the left fielder. It seemed like he was making a dive and catch every time I turned around. He robbed us of extra bases over and over and over again. One of the best left fielders that I've seen this year uh, at Duty Noble Field and really on the road too. I mean, I've covered a lot of ball games, but uh, I think Boss is a guy that is a phenomenal player. And so I think A&M is going to be one of those teams down the stretch. While they may not win a series, I think they're good enough to take a game from just about anybody. And they're going to be at home this weekend. Of course, when we get into uh, Friday's show, we'll kind of preview the weekend. You know, A&M and Ole Miss will play head-to-head down there. I won't be the least bit surprised if, if A&M takes a game. I will be surprised if they take the series. But I, I will not be the least bit surprised if they take a game from Ole Miss. Those are things you kind of look at for sure. And speaking of Ole Miss, they, uh, they survive a late comeback from Arkansas State. I quit watching the game at uh, 7-2 when it seemed like the Arkansas State pitching staff was going to walk the ballpark. It really got away from them there in the fourth inning. It was, uh, it was a 2 nothing game after the top of the third. Arkansas State leading, they left a couple guys on base and had a chance to really kind of stretch it out. And then Ole Miss responds – Takes a 4-2 lead. Uh, Chatagnier had a big hit. And then in the fourth inning, it all kind of fell apart for Arkansas State. And so it's an 11-2 game, and everybody thinks, okay, this thing is in the barn. But it wasn't. 
Lo and behold, and a shocker, right? The Ole Miss bullpen nearly blows it. In the sixth inning, Arkansas State puts eight runs up on the board. Eight. Now, all of a sudden, you know, it's one of those things you look at. It's an 11-10 ball game, and it's like, holy smokes, how did this happen? Ole Miss responds and scores a couple of runs there in the sixth and seventh. And then there in the eighth, Arkansas State climbs back in. In the ninth, they actually got the tying run to the plate. Just couldn't get the big hit there. They did, did score one there in the ninth and uh, also had three errors in the ballgame. So they didn't play clean, but they had 16 hits. And you begin to look down here, you know, this is kind of a Johnny Holstaff day for Ole Miss, but, you know, they have been really high on this Morrell kid, and he gives up three runs. They're high on the Forsyth kid, and he goes a third of an inning and gives up five earned runs. And so you begin to look at this thing and, and think, okay, you, you use your midweek game to try to build some depth and try to find some guys you can trust and try to get some work for some guys. And you're just thinking, okay, let's go out here and get an inning for that guy and an inning for that guy. And you end up throwing basically, I think, ten pitchers before it was all said and done. I mean, those are nine pitchers, excuse me. It, it's incredible to think about that. How, do, how does that happen? Arkansas State, and God bless Tommy Raffo, and all those home runs he hit for Mississippi State. He's been in Jonesboro for a long time. But this is not a good Arkansas State team. They're just not. And then they go to Oxford, and they gave Ole Miss really all they wanted. I think Ole Miss coasted a little bit. But if you're an Ole Miss guy, and thank God that I'm not, you know, you got to begin to wonder here, are we even good enough to get out of a regional with this bullpen? I mean, are you going to have to have Nikhazy? You're going to have to have Hogwin go out there and throw seven, eight, nine innings just to get a victory and save the bullpen. As I've said many times on this show, I had a college baseball insider tell me at the beginning of the year, Mississippi State's going to win a lot of games because of the bullpen. Ole Miss is going to lose some games because of theirs. It's been absolutely true. Outside of Broadway, I don't know if they have anybody that you look at and say, you know what, this guy can really get it done. You know, Austin Miller pitched pretty good for him tonight. But, uh, you know, by and large, I think if you're – I think an Ole Miss person looks at the game even though they won and probably feels like that it's a failure. I mean, the same issues continue to plague this team. And at this point, it's kind of their identity. You kind of look at Mississippi State and say, you know what, we're not getting enough value out of our starting pitching outside of Will Bednar. And you'd like to get another inning out of him. You know, you get five and it seems like that's kind of like the end of his endurance. And so, basically, you're looking at your starting pitchers as openers. But if you look at your old Miss, you think, my gosh, we can't go to the bullpen. If you're Mississippi State, you're thinking, hey, once we get in the bullpen, we got the game. That's how you feel. And on the other side of the coin, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, we need the starters to go eight innings. Or we need a big offensive showing. Because we can't trust the bullpen. And that's kind of where things are. All right, let's take a quick look at the Citadel. You know, since we have an opportunity to have a show on game day here, the Citadel is not good, okay? So, and, and it's going to be a Johnny Holstaff. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
day for us. Cade Smith going to get the start. We expect him to be a guy that challenges for a weekend spot uh, next year. Really talented guy. Probably a guy that wouldn't be here if we had had a full draft last year. But I'm not exactly sure who the Citadel is going to throw. There's nobody that I would look at on this uh, roster, especially as a midweek guy, and say, you know what, that guy's going to give us some trouble. Uh, the Citadel currently 11-28 and 28 on the year and 3-17 and 17 in the conference. Just not a lot you look at here and say, you know what, these guys are a concern for us. And, and obviously they have not seen the caliber of pitching they're going to see from us even in the midweek. Uh, so let's run it down real quick here just to kind of give you guys an idea of the quality of play. They've lost eight games in a row. They've won one game away from their home fields. They're 111 on the year outside of Charleston. Obviously, they've won uh, 10 games there at home. But um, So they begin the year, and they, uh, they lose the first series to Longwood, the Longwood Landers, if you're wondering. The next weekend, they lose the series to North Florida, also in Charleston. They go to Jacksonville, the former school of uh, current Bulldogs, Scotty DeBrule, and they win a ball game there. They come back and lose a series to North Carolina A&T. The Sunday game was a 12-1 deal. They hang in there with South Carolina for a while. They, they, they lose that ball game 11-7. They bounce back the next weekend and they sweep Davidson. Pretty impressively, I might add. They get Wolford the next weekend. They lose two out of three to Wolford. They go to Columbia and get beat 8-3 by South Carolina. They lose uh, both games on a weekend to Western Carolina uh, up there at their place, the Catamounts. They get swept by Mercer in Charleston. They lose to College of Charleston 5-4 in a midweek game. They lose three to Samford, and outside of the Friday game, none of those games were closed. I think that was the SoCon opener, or maybe maybe I guess Mercer was. I guess that's three weekends in. My apologies. They play Jacksonville again, and they beat them in 11, 3-2. guess they have the Dolphins numbered this year. East Tennessee State, they win that series, best two out of three. They lose at home to Carlton Charleston 11-2. They get swept by North Carolina Greensboro on the road. They play South Carolina. Again, I guess that's just an easy game to play. It's just a couple hours away. Lose that game 9-5. to They play Virginia Military Institute last weekend at home and got swept. 13-5, And so you can see they have not really played a lot of competition outside of maybe South Carolina. They have not really played anybody. You say, you know what, hey, that's a good win. So this is really about, you know, Lamonis kind of paying his alma mater back a little bit, bringing a great team in there and having a chance, uh, obviously, to pick up a midweek game while we're on the road at South Carolina. It's pretty rare for us to take a long road trip like this. But, you know, classes are out. Graduation's already taken place. And so they're gonna, they, they arrived on Tuesday, uh, went out and had a dinner on the town. They'll get down to business on Wednesday, spend the night, Wednesday night, there in Charleston, and have a chance to spend some time that morning in Charleston, the kind of downtown, they'll have a nice meal, and then they'll uh, head over to Columbia and uh, have practice on the South Carolina field on Thursday evening, and then we'll get ready to play a ball game on Friday, and I will be there. I'll drive up Friday morning, and uh, so your Thursday night show, which will serve as your Friday show, may actually go a little earlier. So if it hits your Apple or your uh, Google Play app, 
Thursday night, you'll know why. Because I'm trying to get into bed because i got to get up early and get on the road to go chase the Bulldogs out there. So let's get a little deeper into uh, who the Citadel is here. And I know many of you – let me go ahead and tell you guys too. This game is going to be broadcast on ESPN+. Plus, So it's not the regular ESPN app. So there may be a subscription fee involved if you want to watch it. And maybe you don't want to deal with that. Maybe just put the radio on. And I've had so many people that have said, hey, well, Steve, I can't listen to the radio because I live out of state. If you go to healthstate.com and you pull up the baseball schedule, there's going to be a little speaker there, and you can listen for free. You just go click the button, and the, the, the audio player pops up, and you can listen to Jim Ellis and Jay Powell or, or Ron Polk, whoever's doing color this week, uh, for free. So you can listen to the ball game. So if you if you don't want to pay the ESPN Plus subscription to watch the game as it streams, or maybe perhaps you don't have good internet service, you can listen to the game. So that that's handled. Okay, so let's look at the Citadel here. Season statistics for them, really not good. And so, you know, looking at the numbers here, you know, as a team, they have hit 278. Their opponents have hit 280. Obviously, they've been outscored. They wouldn't have all these losses. They have hit 25 home runs as a team and allowed 33. They've allowed a lot of extra base hits, to be honest with you. Uh, 79 doubles, 11 triples, 33 home runs. They have also hit 24 batters, but they have a tendency to get hit themselves. They've been hit 51 times. Probably means they're crowding the plate a little bit, so we've got to be careful with that. Just be something to be mindful of as you watch the game on Wednesday night. They, they don't really run the bases exceptionally well, just 36 of 48 in stolen bases. They do have a couple of guys, Ryan McCarthy being one, that is pretty skilled, 10 of 11. And then Jeffrey Brown, this uh, guy that's their leading hitter, 7 of 12. But outside of that, it's spread around pretty good. Tyler Corbett, 7 of 7. So they kind of, you know, steal kind of as a, uh, you know, as a bonus, I guess you could say. When you're struggling offensively, you got to move runners as best you can. So they may get out and try to run a little bit. I don't know if you really want to test Logan Tanner. Luke Hancock might actually start at catcher. We've been done, done that a lot during the midweek to kind of save a little wear and tear on, on Logan. And you guys know he caught both ends of a doubleheader on Saturday. And then we had the, the extended 12-inning game on Friday. So, you know, he caught, you know, 30 innings in about, what, 36 hours, 34 hours, something like that. That's a lot of wear and tear on a guy. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Luke uh, start the ball game. So, you know, we'll see Luke's ability to hold runners not nearly the same as Logan's. But, again, this is probably a ball game you can win without having to worry about that. I mentioned Jeffrey Brown earlier. Jeff, uh, 321 average, leads a team with 50 hits and an average as well. Not a big extra base guy, pretty much a singles guy. Just got four walks. And I told you guys before about uh, his ability to steal some bases. Guy's done a pretty good job for him, for sure. Uh, Jones, or excuse me, Crosby Jones, the only other regular that has a batting average over 300. He's hitting 305, 43 hits, seven doubles, a couple triples, and a couple dingers, 16 ribbies. You get into some RBI guys a little bit deeper here, and, and Ryan McCarthy is a guy that, uh, you know, has been their, one of their most prolific extra base guys. 11 doubles, a triple, and seven home runs, which leads the team. Also has 27 RBI. That's a team lead as well. He's also a guy that's willing to let you walk him. He has 21 walks on the year, but he is a bit of a swing and miss guy, 47 Ks, which also is the 
high mark for the team. So it's kind of a feast and famine thing uh, there with Ryan. Cole Simpson is hitting 268. Uh, three doubles, three dingers, and just the 20 RBIs. And outside of that, there's it's pretty pedestrian. I mean, it really is. I mean, you don't expect a team that's got 11 wins to be good offensively, right? Not sure who we'll see pitching-wise. I'm sure they won't throw their weekend guys. Their, uh, their weekend guys, uh, you know, Jake Polarski, Cameron Reeves, uh, Latham Todd, all those guys have really struggled despite the fact that they're, you know, guys are eating up some innings for them. Uh, none of them have a winning record. Polarski, uh, 17 appearances, 10 starts, just two and two on the year. Uh, looking a little bit deeper here for, you know, starts in the midweek, Devin Beckley is a guy that might get to start. He's got a 6.87 ERA and a 2-5 and five record, uh, six starts on the year. Zach Jones, a guy that's got five starts on the year, 0-5 with an 8.80 ERA. So this could be a ball game that kind of gets away – you know, pretty early. I mean, obviously these guys have not played a lot of Southeastern Conference competition. And when they have, it's been South Carolina. And, you know, you know how that is. You're not really motivated to play a lot of those ball games. But uh, as a staff, 6.58 ERA as a staff. And they just don't have a lot of guys out here that are putting up big numbers, nor would you expect them to. I've allowed 375 hits and 336 innings pitching. So they're giving up, you know, just over a hit per inning. Allow 293 runs, 246 of those are earned. So that's nearly 50 unearned runs. Says a lot about their defensive efforts there. They have walked opponents 201 times. Their opponents have walked 105. So you're talking almost a, a differential of 100 there. They have struck out 308 hitters, and that's less than a uh, strikeout per inning. You know, we're used to seeing people that are regularly striking out one, one and possibly two per inning. They've allowed 79 doubles, 11 triples, and 33 home runs, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, and 280 as a team uh, you know, batting against them. They have uh, the 51 hit by pitches. It's, uh, it's just one of those things you look at, it kind of jumps out, doesn't make a lot of sense. So, we'll, again, it's just something else that we'll kind of watch as we kind of move forward with it. But not a great team in any regard. Quickly looking here at the uh, – couple fielding things just so you you know just to kind of give you an idea of here where that where the weaknesses are uh, they have had a handful of guys make errors you know Mitchell's a guy that's got six errors on a team Brooks O'Brien with 10 Tilo Skoll with 10 Logan Taplett with 10 so it's not you know limited to one or two players it, it's kind of spread throughout the lineup so again we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about this team because the bottom line is State should go in there and really be able to kind of stretch your legs a little bit, probably get a lot of playing time for some guys. And, and that's, you know, listen, when you take all these guys on the road and if you saw the, the social media video they sent out, everybody gets off the plane and they get on their professional jerseys and some guys have on NFL jerseys and other guys have baseball and basketball. This is a fun trip, but it's also a business trip. And I think it's probably good to kind of get away from Starkville for a little bit. Now, we can say what we want to about, well, you know, nobody really pays attention to social media, but that's not true. You know, those guys, you know as well as I do, they know they're projected to be a top eight national seat. They're projected to host a regional and a super regional provided they win. There are a lot of people that understand, hey, look, we can, we can see the standings. We're a game behind Arkansas for the SEC lead. They understand what's at stake. They also understand when they come out here and play in front of you guys, you're talking eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 people. And you'd much rather have those guys yelling for you than yelling against you. But 
there's a reason you all are showing up, and it's not just because you love baseball, but it's because of the fact that you understand that this team's got a lot to play for. You know, they'll go out there, and we may have enough fans tomorrow night to take over the stadium. Those are things you think about, you know, smaller places like this. I don't know if they fully appreciate, you know, what we're going to bring. You know, we're going to have a lot of people there. And uh, just kind of running some numbers here for you, you know, the, the average crowd, I mean, it's absolutely ludicrous. They played VMI over the weekend. The Sunday game, they had 617 people. Looking at some midweek games they had when they played Jacksonville, 248 people showed up. 248. You know, the only time that they have played in front of big crowds this year is when they were on the road at South Carolina. And then the one time South Carolina came to their place early in the year, they put down 1,500. And that might just be capacity. When they went and played at South Carolina, it was 1,938. You know, so, you know, it's not going to be what it has been. You know, so you Bulldogs that are going to go make the ball game, you know, you might you might be willing to take over the stadium. We, we probably expect to get a lot of uh, – you know, maroon and white cheer as the game goes along there. But we've invested a lot of time talking about this ball game, but it should be a blowout, simple as that. And then we'll get ready to go over and play uh, Columbia, South Carolina, and uh, we'll have a full preview on the Gamecocks on Friday. I'm eager to get there. I have never covered a game of any kind at South Carolina. And John Mangum and some other baseball dads that I know and trust have said, you know what, Steve, the only thing – Around the conference, a lot of people say, well, you know, we think we've got the second-best stadium. South Carolina does. And so I'm eager to kind of get over there and see it for myself. You know, I have covered baseball in just about every venue in the Southeastern Conference. And so I feel like that I've got a pretty, you know, pretty good idea of what everybody else has. I know I haven't been to Missouri except for football, but uh, I know enough people that will tell you that have told me Missouri is the worst in the conference. They're just not committed to baseball up there. And it shows. It absolutely shows. But when you get around the league here and you, and you get to see the things that aren't on TV, it gives you a deeper appreciation for what we have. But I'm told, you know, that South Carolina really has a nice park. And so we'll get over there and check it out and uh, hopefully go over there and win a couple ball games. But, you know, I like Chris Lamontis' approach. You know, talking to him on, uh, on Monday, you know, we, we you know, spoke at length about the series and just, you know, listen – you know, sometimes it's good to get on the road, and we're a good road team. You know, we're a team that goes out there and competes. And so I think getting out there a couple of days early and kind of getting over the stress and anxiety of traveling and that long bus ride to get all that stuff done, and we charter this stuff anyway. But my point being is that you, know, you have the travel day today, you get there and you get off the plane, and then you've got, you know, Wednesday a day to kind of chill. You're already there on game day, so you're not showing up you know, for a non-conference game, you know, a couple hours beforehand. And so all that's done. So I think in many ways this is kind of an end-of-the-semester break, but also a chance for Lamontis and them to kind of just get on the road with their guys. You kind of get – listen, all due respect to you ladies, but sometimes it's good to kind of get away. And so you get them away from their girlfriends and they don't have to study and they don't have study halls they don't have anything else going on. They can just focus on baseball. And I think these are the kind of trips that kind of draw you together as a team. You know, there's a lot left to play for for Mississippi State during the month of May. There was so much of the discussion when the, the May 10th date came out about the tournament, right? Everybody was talking about our strength of schedule, and it's like, you know what, you know, why couldn't this happen in May? And, you know, all that's good. 
it's all well and good. And everybody said, you know what, we're going to have to earn it. I mean, it's as simple as that. You know, if state's going to host, we're going to have to earn the right to do that. Nobody's just going to say, hey, well, listen, they should win a bunch of games in May, so let's give them a host spot. And when that when that announcement was made, and Kendall Rogers is the one that made it, and what's and Kendall does a great job. I consider Kendall a friend. But when Kendall first put that out there, people began to panic. They didn't fully appreciate because they only read the first tweet. You know what I'm talking about? Because nobody ever does that, right? They didn't read the subsequent tweets when we tried to explain it a little more in detail. They didn't read the article. They just read that, oh, everything's going to be predetermined and we're going to get screwed in this deal. We're not going to get screwed. But we had to go on the road and we took care of Auburn. We swept them. Then we had Ole Miss come in. Many of you guys are worried about that. I was not. We win that series two games to one. And we got whipped that Saturday. I mean, there's no, there's no you know, backing down from that. We got whipped. Nikhazy was outstanding, and we just, didn't, you know, we just didn't pitch it well either. One of Bednar's worst starts of the year. And then we go to Vandy, and we have to get one, and we do. We'd love to have gotten two, but we got one. And then we sweep A&M. And so now you get into this situation now because these decisions about the hosting locations, you know, the 20 they're going to do, because what they're doing and the reason behind that, because let's, let's say for an example, let's say – let me, let me pull up the D1 baseball projections here just so we can, you know, speak – we're going to speak hypothetically, but we can also speak, you know, with a little more authority when we have a, a, maybe a school to talk about. But, you know, it, let's say if you kind of – pigeonhole yourself into 16 it's okay these are definitely the 16 teams and locations and then if somebody goes in the tank then all of a sudden you, you may have somebody hosting a regional they're not playing in and so by giving themselves 20 you know the 20 host locations gives you a little wiggle room so you're going to go from 20 and then you're going to you know pick your 16 from there so Let's take a look here. Right now, East Carolina is listed as the final host spot at 16. Okay? So let's take a look at East Carolina here. Okay? So let's say you give them a host site, and they're actually 30 and 9, so they've got a great record right now overall. And they've got a strong record in their conference, certainly worthy of hosting. Well, they've got Tulane coming up. They got a four-game set against Tulane, and Tulane's projected to be in the field. Well, what if Tulane goes in there and wins three or four? Well, now all of a sudden, this that team's probably not in a position to host. Then they go on the road to play Cincinnati, who's not a great team, but let's say they go over there and drop a couple games there. And then they got South Florida, so you got you know you got three four-game weekends left. So that's 12 games. You know, what if they lose seven of those games? Well, now all of a sudden, they're not in a great spot. Now all of a sudden, you've given them the opportunity to host, and they're not worthy of hosting because they go in the tank in the month of May. And so because of the fact that you've got this, you know, these four extra teams there, that eliminates the possibility of a team that, you know, maybe somebody gets hurt or whatever, and then all of a sudden they go in the tank in the month of May – and then they still get the benefit of hosting a regional, even though they're, they're a team that perhaps is a little bit questionable right now. So it makes sense for them to do that. Announce 20, and then we'll pair it down to 16 as we get a little closer. And so that, that to me, that makes perfect sense. 
And so Mississippi State is going to host. You can go ahead, I'm going to just go ahead and tell you that now. You know, unless we have the collapse of all collapses, we're going to host. But when, when with these, these 20 are named uh, on, the, on Monday, you know, we fully expect to be in there. And it won't be seeded, okay? And that's sometimes we, from year to year, we kind of forget. You know, it's just like there was, you know, in the SEC tournament every year, they announced the 16 regional host sites. They don't announce the seeds. They just announce the host sites. And then once the tournament is announced, they announce the top eight national seeds and then they kind of who is who in each quadrant. And so basically what we're going to get now is 20 potential host sites without seeding. And then as we get down to the end, we'll have 16. And then from there, the eight super regional sites will be determined and there's still so much confusion about that. And I'm going to spend a little bit to explain this as best I can. It's not anything we need to worry about right now. I know that's impossible for us to do because it means so much to us. But if we host a regional at Mississippi State and we fully expect to be a top eight national seed, there's no reason to think we won't be. Then we're going to host a super regional. And if some say, well, yes, Steve, theoretically, listen to me. We're a top eight national seed. We're hosting. The next, the next road game would be Omaha if that situation unfolded like that. So relax. Let's take it one step at a time. The next step is to beat Citadel, and then we'll go to South Carolina and do our best to win the series out there. Can we sweep them? Yeah, we can, but they kind of pitch it backwards a little bit. They're a little bit stronger on Sundays. I don't know if you guys know this. In their last eight series – and that dates back to the final non-conference series of the year against Texas. They're one in seven on Friday, one in seven. And so you're throwing McLeod on Friday, and you got to think, okay, this is a team that hadn't done exceptionally well. So maybe McLeod goes out there and gets us, you know, three, four, five innings. Then we get Brandon Smith to give us a couple, and bring Lennon Sims in, we'll win the ball game. And then we got Bednar going on Saturday, and I think all of us would agree I've got the most confidence, and you guys have the most confidence in Bednar throwing Saturday. So they're bad on Friday, so we win that one, and then we went on Saturday. Well, Sunday's kind of a gravy game, and you got Fristo going in, and one of their better pitchers, I believe it's their number two, may even be their, their number one going on Sundays. And uh, I hadn't done enough research to kind of look at all that, and we'll talk about that more on Friday. But there's no – this kind of sets up well for us. I mean, it really does. And the thing that I keep going back to, and I think because of the fact that we're so familiar with Mississippi State, it's real easy to get caught up in that whole thing about familiarity breeds contempt. we got the deepest bullpen in the country. We do. And it's easy when they go out there in a ball game when we're winning big and they don't throw strikes and you throw some young guys, whatever. But when the game is on the line, we've been outstanding. We have been. We've been able to shut things down. And Landon Sims can't throw every game, can't throw every inning, can't throw every pitch. He'd love to, but he can't. But it is almost an embarrassment of wealth in that bullpen for us. And when we are on, we are almost impossible to beat. And so once we get a lead, and all of a sudden we turn it over to the bullpen there, you know, Preston Johnson goes out there and eats up a couple innings for you, and Landon Sims gets the final couple innings, and then there's a ball game for you. So I feel good about our chances in Columbia. I think it's going to be a great week for us. If I had to call it today, I'd say we'd probably go 3-1 and one on a week. And that's what we need to do at a bare minimum. You know, we don't need to go over there and lose a series. I think, I think if we go 3-1 and one on the week, 
and we come back, I think we were, again, assured ourselves of a top eight national seed. We got Mizzou coming in next week, and we, we fully expect to sweep them. But uh, we, we just got to avoid going over there and losing that series, and I think we're in good shape. And, again, we'll talk about that more on Friday. So I heard from Brandon from johnnypacker.com. You guys know, and, and I've had some of you guys reach out regularly to say, hey, listen, Steve, I check those glasses out. Can you help me out with the promo code? Well, Brandon comes through in the clutch. Brandon says, hey, Steve, listen, I got a promo code for Boneyard listeners. It'll save you 10%. 10%. Anytime, listen, if you were going to buy them anyway and they'd say, hey, let me knock 10% off, wouldn't you take it? You absolutely would. Your promo code is Boneyard. Go to johnnypacker.com today. Use promo code Boneyard and take 10% off your order. And a portion of your order is donated to the Cystic Vibrosis Foundation. These are Mississippi State people that have put a company together that provide quality eyewear. I told you guys that they they sent me some sunglasses. I have to wear prescription lenses. Uh, And so I gave them away. And I'm told they're the most comfortable sunglasses I've ever worn. Light on the face, don't pinch the nose, good durable construction. Because most of the times what happens, well, let's go pick up a pair of sunglasses at the gas station. And maybe that's not your plan, but that's what you do. Or I'm just going to go up to Walmart and get some. Listen, stop doing that. There's a difference between price and cost, right? Because what happens is you end up buying these cheap sunglasses and they don't last. And the next time you got to go to the beach or the next time you take a trip or the next time you go to the ball game, you're buying another pair of cheap glasses. And before you know it, you spent more money on inferior sunglasses. Spend a little money, get some good glasses, get them at Johnny Packer. Go today, johnnypacker.com, promo code BONEYARD. And again, these are Bulldogs. I believe in doing business with Bulldogs, and you should too. Again, johnnypacker.com, promo code BONEYARD. Today's top 10 list, Randy, and Randy, I may mess this up, but I think it's Randy Pruess. Randy Pruess, P-R-E-U-S-S, contacted me on Twitter about a week ago. And uh, basically said, hey, look, Steve, you got good taste in music, and I do. I don't apologize for it. Pretty well-versed when it comes to music. And I know there's a few guys out there and say, hey, Steve, you're really into all these 80s hair bands. You know, that's not just what I'm into, but it's what I grew up with. You know, listen, when I was in the 70s, listen, man, yeah, I was into the Eagles and into the Doobie Brothers and all that stuff all up into the 80s and Steely Dan and bands like that. I was raised right. I didn't listen to the New Kids on the Block, man. I didn't listen to Debbie Gibson or Tiffany. I watched them on MTV when they came on. I was a teenager. Goodness. But my point being is I've always been one that knows how to rock. So Randy says, you know what, Steve? How about you give me a song from 10 of your favorite bands? And I don't know if this is my top 10 bands because you know what changes in time? You know, I don't have a Whitesnake song on here. And there are sometimes I'll listen to Whitesnake and I think, man, this is the greatest. And then other times I think, ah, there's only two or three good songs on this album. Then the next time I listen, I'm in a better mood for it. You know, I don't have any Foreigner on here, even though I'm a big Foreigner fan. I don't have any Metallica on here. I don't, I don't have any suicidal tendencies on here either. I'm a big suicidal fan too. Saw them with Queensryche and Jackson with many of you when all the cool kids got together to go to a rock show. You know, I, I love suicidal. I do. I think so. I used to have a suicidal tendencies hat. Matter of fact, I think I was probably one of the first people in Mississippi to have a suicidal tendencies hat. Well, I'd go to the mall at North Park back when you could go to the mall at North Park, and uh, 
and I would go out there, and, and all of a sudden, all these little kids from, uh, you know, all these private school kids in Jackson were like, hey, where'd you get the hat? Well, I, I mail-ordered it from uh, the Suicidal Tendencies merch shop. Well, they're not on the list either. But if, you're, if you want to know my favorite uh, Suicidal Tendencies song, it's You Can't Bring Me Down. That's off Lights, Camera Revolution. So these are, this is kind of an eclectic group here, okay? I've got, uh, there are some 80s hair bands on here. There's also some modern rock bands on here. There's some 90s stuff on here. And uh, there's even some, uh, I guess you would say synth pop on here. I didn't put Duran Duran on here, even though I thought long and hard about it. You say, Steve, you're a Duran Duran fan? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I love Duran Duran, and I am unashamed to say it. If you want to know my favorite uh, Duran Duran song, it's Ordinary World. But back in the day, it was the reflex. All right, so let's get into the top 10. And this is, some of this is going to surprise you. So number 10 on my list is a hairband. Shocker. But it's Firehouse. And I have every Firehouse album. I have them all. Even the ones that were released here in the last couple of years. I think there are seven of them. I have them all. I don't know them all that well, the more recent stuff, but I, I'm kind of OCD about that. Like if, a, if I love a band and they have a new album, I have to have it. And you can say, well, Steve, you know, it's so easy to go to Apple Music. That's true. But when Apple Music crashes in the apocalypse, I'll still have tunes to listen to. I'll still have my CDs. I still buy CDs from bands that I still love, and I keep them, the hard copy. So Firehouse, I have all their albums. I have seen them in concert about a half a dozen times. I love Bill Leverty and C.J. Snare. I think they're great. But the song that I went with, and so a lot of these songs, too, I'm not going to give you necessarily signature songs. That would be the lazy way to do it because I am a fan. I'm going to go with some songs that you're familiar with, but they may not be the signature song because right now many of you are thinking, oh, he's going to go with Don't Treat Me Bad or Love of a Lifetime. You're wrong. I'm going with Reach for the Sky. That's off the second album. Love that song. Matter of fact, I listened to it a couple days ago. I almost went with a deep cut off Firehouse 3 called Two Sides. There are two sides to every story. So don't make up your mind until you hear it from me. But I went with Reach for the Sky. Number 10, Firehouse is Reach for the Sky. Number 9, a band from Knoxville, Tennessee. One of my favorites. And I have not talked about them enough on this show. Because some of you say, well, you know, Steve gets long hair and tattoos and, you know, wears cargo shorts and concert shirts every day. He's lost in the 80s. Well, you're wrong band is 10 years 10 years from knoxville tennessee i've met jesse hayek probably half dozen times got a 10 years tattoo you guys are familiar with the highway 98 tattoo on my right hand just above that i've got a 10 years tattoo from their album killing all that holds us killing all that holds me excuse me and so i love 10 years i love jesse i think that he is a tremendous songwriter and vocalist and every time i've been around him he's been so down to earth and uh, it's kind of cool, too, that he remembers me. And uh, I guess I am pretty memorable at this point in my life. But uh, Jesse is phenomenal. I've seen them play acoustic sets. I've seen them play live. I saw them play festivals. I've seen them play clubs. I've seen them play stadiums, arenas, everywhere. And they're great. And so if you get a chance to go watch 10 Years, you should too. And if you're unfamiliar with 10 Years, you need to get going. You need to get involved. And you need to check them out today. And let me tell you the song you can start with. It's really the song that started it all for them. And it is about Jesse's cousin, uh, Brad, 
that was a child actor. He played uh, Mark Swag in the movie The Client with Susan Sarandon, Tommy Lee Jones. You're familiar with that. But it's about his demise. Brad ultimately killed himself. And the song is called Wasteland. Ten years, Wasteland. Number eight, another band we don't talk a whole lot about on the show. I don't even know if we've done a top ten list on them, and I'll get Roy to check, and if we hadn't, we'll, we'll do one soon. But it's Rage Against a Machine. I don't necessarily agree with all the politics that uh, Tom Morello has. I, I, I don't, but that, that's the case with anybody, really. If we all sat down long enough, we could find some things to disagree about. But Rage Against the Machine was a very, very important band in my life in the 1990s. And uh, I remember them going to play at the Republican and Democratic National Conventions. And I felt like our generation's voice was being heard. There was a change in the political climate because uh, we felt like our generation was kind of standing up and being counted for the first time. And so I have every Rage album, and uh, I love them all. There's probably not a song on any of those albums that I don't like. There are some I like more than others. Could have gone with a number of songs here, but I went with one off Evil Empire. I went with People of the Sun. I love that opening riff. I love what Tom Morello has done. Uh, He is a phenomenal guitar player, unlike anybody else in the genre. Number seven, a more modern rock band. It's been around for a while. I've met these guys too. I think LeJean Witherspoon of Seven Dust is one of the more underappreciated vocalists in rock music today. Not only is he an incredible singer and performer, he's an incredibly nice guy. I've met Morgan, the whole group. They're, they're absolutely great. Clint, everybody's great. Met them at Rocklahoma, and I uh, got a chance to spend some time with them, and I'll be honest with you, I think they thought I was in a band, so they thought they should be nice to me. But either way, they were great. And uh, LeJean Witherspoon is, is one of those people you look at and you say, you know what, it, it's it's... You meet so many superstars at times, and you think they're all going to be just kind of, you know, above, you know, what you'd expect. That He is so much like me and you. He just happens to have a really cool job. But with Seven Dust, I went with my absolute favorite song, and there's a bunch of them. I love Seven Dust. I have every Seven Dust album, at least digitally. I have some hard copies. But I went with Black. Black is without a doubt my favorite Seven Dust song. Last time I saw them over in Montgomery, Alabama, they opened with Black, and I thought I was going to lose it. Number six, going back to a hair band here, it's Rat. And the homie Sam Denton is probably the biggest Rat fan that I know, so shout out to you, Sam. I've seen Rat a handful of times, too. Saw them a couple years ago at Rocklahoma. It was the first time they had been back together in years. And uh, it was great. thought Stephen did a great job. I think Stephen Piercy has the coolest voice uh, of the 80s metal bands. I really do. There's nobody quite like him. Could have gone a number of directions here. I decided to go with one of the great songs off the Detonator album. It's Lovin' Use a Dirty Job, and I'm the man to do it. Truer words have never been spoken. All right, number five, and this is, again, a more modern rock band. This basically, we've talked about them before. We've had a top ten list. I have not met these guys, and I hadn't met Rat either. Well, I guess I, I met Warren D. Martini at the Texas Club in Baton Rouge years ago when, when Jizzy Pearl was a singer. And uh, I guess John Carabi was playing rhythm back then. Bobby Blotcher was with him then, so I met Bobby and Warren. So I met a couple of those guys. I guess Robbie Crane was playing bass back then. Um, but I haven't met Alter Bridge, but I have talked to Miles Kennedy on the phone, which is really kind of a cool thing, is when uh, Slash and Miles and the new conspirators were putting their second album out. They had Slash and Miles on, and I just decided to call up SiriusXM to see if I could get on the air and ask him a question, and I did, and I got to talk to Miles Kennedy. 
which is really, really cool because I think Miles Kennedy is the greatest vocalist in rock music today. Love Alter Bridge. Absolutely love everything Miles has done. The solo stuff is a little bit different, but um, Alter Bridge is one of those bands which stay in power. If you are a rock fan today and you don't have Alter Bridge on your playlist, you are cheating yourself. They're very, very positive. Uh, Miles is a guy that uh, has done a lot of stuff to kind of encourage uh, people to get help for mental health type issues. And uh, matter of fact, his, his wife is a mental health expert. And so very solid people. And Mark Tremonti, of course, the greatest guitar player of this generation, without a doubt. I went with Addicted to Pain on this one. Addicted to Pain off the Fortress album. I almost went isolation, but we've, we've talked about that on the show a few times. So I wanted to give you guys something a little bit different. Addicted to Pain. Number four, and this is probably a surprise for some of you, but it's Depeche Mode. I absolutely love Depeche Mode. I'm a Depeche Mode freak. I think David Gahan is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Martin Gore, one of the first people to ever play a Sinclavier. He is an absolute genius of a songwriter. It is incredible the stuff they came up with. They kind of they were like at the forefront of the sampling revolution. And, and rather than take other people's stuff, they would find these obscure little sounds and then they would make a song out of them. And you can go back and find a lot of that stuff on the album, Some Great Reward. That's when I thought Martin Gore really kind of took the next step as a, as a musician. I, again, I could have gone with it with probably 20 different songs here. But I decided to go with the one that I think best personifies me, and that's Walking in My Shoes. And that's off the, song, the album Songs of Faith and Devotion. That is a must-have album. Everybody has Violator, and rightfully so. Violator was a huge, that was like a big crossover hit for them. It kind of took them out of the clubs and put them in the arenas. And Violator, of course, is the one with Personal Jesus and um, Enjoy the Silence and Policy of Truth and, and Halo. And It's just a great album. But Songs of Faith and Devotion, I think, built on Violator and then made Depeche Mode superstars. I think that a lot of people expected them to kind of flop at their Violator. They said, oh, well, those kind of go back to what they were with Music for the Masses, which was great too. But Songs of Faith and Devotion, I thought they really arrived as a band. All right, number three, and uh, I have had um, this as my Jeans Page avatar now for, I guess, 10 years or so. Uh, but it's the band Shinedown. I'm a huge Shinedown fan. i got three Shinedown tattoos. I have met Shinedown. I've talked to Brent a handful of times. Uh, Zach Myers as well. Uh, got autographs, everything. I- I'm a Shinedown nerd, I admit it. I will admit that they have mellowed a little bit in recent albums. You know, I think the earlier stuff with Jason Todd and Brad uh, in the band, of course there was a lot of dysfunction that went along with Jason. Uh, but I thought a lot of that sickness kind of helped the music and then brent said himself that once he got clean and sober he struggled he had actually relapsed because he didn't know that he could write music without drugs again and so that's unfortunate but they have rebounded and that's one of the things that happens too is once guys get money they get therapy and all of a sudden a lot of problems go away and the music uh, kind of suffers it's a shame but that's the reality of it i thought they had a really great comeback album with attention attention but I've been a Shinedown fan from the very beginning. Probably one of the first Shinedown fans just kind of found out about them by chance uh, through a friend in the industry. And uh, next thing I know, they're playing them on Sirius XM. But at that time, it was just Sirius Octane. And the song that got me into the band was a song called Burning Bright. And it was around the time my dad was getting really, really sick. And, uh, and so when I would feel really down and feel sorry for myself, I would listen to this song. 
And uh, I've always said that if I ever got lyrics tattooed on my body, there was a phrase in that song that I would use. And, and ultimately, I didn't. I actually got lyrics from the, the number two song on, the, uh, on our list today. But I'm a huge Shinedown fan, and I think that uh, they're kind of unfairly maligned by some people. It's, if you get deeper into their stuff, and like, especially those, those earlier albums, I mean, everybody knows 45 and Second Chance, and that stuff gets put on Top 40 radio. But you get into songs like Stranger Inside and Begin Again and uh, Left Out, you know, uh, Breaking Inside off the uh, Sound of Madness album. There's just so many great songs on there. that there, There's not a bad song. These are the albums you can just kind of put on a little play. Number two, Soundgarden. And uh, I found Soundgarden at a very important time in my life. And I listen, it's like I explained to people before, you know, I heard about Soundgarden when they first got started, you know, when uh, Ultra Mega OK had come out and then uh, Loud Love had come out. Um, and so you know, it's like, OK, well, I got an idea who these guys are. Hands All Over was being put on MTV. I had heard Soundgarden. I had not listened to Soundgarden until I went to rehab. And I, I had really discovered Chris Cornell and kind of dove into the catalog. And I said, you know, this guy's singing my song. And uh, really felt some type of sonic connection with Chris and his music. And so I got a big uh, Chris Cornell tattoo on my leg. Matter of fact, when it's all said and done, I'll have a, le- a left leg sleeve of Chris Cornell because he is that important to me. And uh, the day that he died is one of the saddest days of my life. And you say, well, Steve, how could you feel that way? Well, it's just because he was the soundtrack of my recovery for the better part of 25 years. And so... I went with uh, the classic Fell on Black Days off the Super Unknown album. It is a song where Chris is very vulnerable, and I think that's one of the reasons that he was so appealing to people is because he shared his emotions and uh, so freely. And he shared his pain with all of us, and I think that's one of the reasons we were, he was so easily identifiable. But number one, my favorite band of all time, it's got to be the Pet Shop Boys. No, it's not the Pet Shop Boys, silly. No, it's not. It's the Backstreet Boys. No, it's not them either. It's Motley Crue. And you guys knew that before I told you. It's Motley. Got the Motley Crue leg sleeve. I got a Motley Crue license plate. Uh, I have met Vince. I haven't met anybody else in the band. I hope to meet Nikki Six and Tommy Lee someday. It, it costs a fortune to go meet them. And I just hope that I can meet them by chance. Or maybe perhaps one day I'll just uh, get lucky enough to run into them. Nikki Six, of course, to me, is the ultimate rock star. And, uh, you know, I just... Crew is it for me. You know, they're, they're the band that really kind of turned the screws for me and kind of got me in the metal. And so I didn't go with the traditional hits for Motley because we've done so much of that on the show. I went with Primal Scream, which was the, really the single off the Greatest Hits album. You know, they had, you know, Too Fast for Love and Shout the Devil, Theater Pain, uh, you know, Girls, 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 and then they had the Greatest Hits album uh, after Dr. Feelgood, excuse me. And so... It was kind of an interesting point because Primal Scream came out where they had been on the road with Whitesnake for about a year, year and a half. And I think you can kind of hear some Whitesnake influence in Primal Scream because Primal Scream's a little bit different than anything else in the catalog. And so I really dig that track, and I think you will too. So that's top ten list. Again, brought to you by the fine folks at johnnypacker.com. Go buy your sunglasses today. Use promo code BONEYARD to save 10%. All right. So, Randy, I hope I did you good there. I hope you, hope you enjoyed the list. I hope that's exactly what you're looking for. Maybe we scratched the niche for you. Okay. Next segment of the show brought to you by the fine folks at Campus Bookmart. They've been with me a long time. I've been with them a long time. Signed a lot of books over there. And every time I go in there, they treat me like a much bigger deal than I am. 
they'll do the same thing for you. And it's not just because I sign books. It's because they're so genuine in what they do. You know, a lot of places you go, there's a lot of turnover, you know. I mean, that's retail in a small town, right? That's retail in a college town. You have people that come in, they get a job, they work for a semester, and they either move back home or, you know, academic workload gets too high. But, um, but you know, at Campus Bookmart, I mean, there's some staying power there. I mean, there really are. I mean, you know, Stan and Mann's been there forever and a day. Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, and we hope she never leaves. And then there's Cheyenne. Cheyenne works there and helps, helps run the register and runs all the social media stuff. And, and these people are kind of vested – in the business and they're vested in you they want you to have a good experience great prices great product kathy brown an incredible buyer if there's anything out there with mississippi state on it she's got it or she can get it for you go peruse their fine selections at campusbookmart.net and by being a loyal boneyard listener we'll give you a phrase that pays and that is bsr which stands for beautiful steve robertson Get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Go do it today. Campusbookmart.net. Listen, it's getting warm. The kids need summer clothes for vacation mom anyway. Rather than go spend that money with Amazon or some off-brand company where you're probably not even going to get a fish with licensed merchandise, spend it with a Starkville vendor, okay? Spend it with the hometown folks. That's campusbookmart.net. All right. So a couple things I wanted to get into, and then we'll have our recruiting update to close the show. Uh, Fred Brown, downtown Freddie Brown. You know, Fred Brown from Jim Hill High School you know, was a guy that uh, came to Mississippi State, kind of a lightly recruited guy. You know, it's like uh, he was out of Jim Hill, and a lot of people kind of questioned why we would take him. And uh, he was in the Brandon Holloway class. We took Brandon as a slot. We took Fred as an outside guy. And I remember when we committed Fred, I kept telling everybody, I said, listen, we're going we're gonna to take this guy. I mean, we're, we're going to take him. And people are like, oh, I don't know, Steve, I don't know. And then he goes to big dog camp, and he absolutely lights it up, and everybody's like, hey, when are we going to take this guy? When are we going to take him? Well, we did. And uh, Fred actually had, um, you know, had some issues, you know, when he, was at, um, when he was at state and got dismissed from school, and it was unfortunate. But he didn't let that define him. And it's so interesting, too. It was a sad thing. I saw it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be critical of these people. Matter of fact, I'm going to pull it up. I don't want you to read the article because I don't want to give them clicks. I'm going to pull it up. But uh, it's, one of these, um, it's one of these SI sites. And I'm, and I'm not saying anything about anybody that I know that works for SI. But this guy, um, David Beauclair, I guess is his name. And rather than talk about what Fred Brown has done as a pro or anything else, he decided to kind of bring up this whole thing about Fred getting dismissed for violation of the honor code. And I think that is unfortunate. Why, why should he have to live a life sentence for that? You know, that's been, you know, goodness, that was what, back in 14, I guess? It was just, we're talking something seven, seven years ago. And so those are the things that I look at, and I just begin to think to myself, you know, you know, how crappy are you as a journalist that this is what you focus on? And I guess it's one of those things where it gets you clicks. So, well, you got kicked out of college. You know, there are a lot of people that didn't graduate college, and there are a lot of people that broke the honor code. But the fact that he happened to be a college football player, it was just bigger news. And so I'm not trying to excuse what Fred did, but goodness gracious, he's a grown man now. And those are the things that really, really upset me. It's like, number one, because I know Fred – 
And uh, Fred and I had some interaction on Twitter. And every time that I see him in town, every time I see him, he comes up, shakes my hand, gives me a hug. Every time. That's the kind of guy he is. I mean, you would think, okay, well, he's in the NFL now. He doesn't owe any of us beat writers or anything. And you know what? He doesn't. He doesn't owe me anything. But he remembers the fact that I went and watched him play a high school football game when he was a junior, and he was just trying to get discovered. I'd heard about him. Some people had told me, hey, this is a guy that's even before Mississippi State offered him. And so I go watch a kid play, and it's like they can't even get him to football, and he faced double and triple coverage all night long. And if they ever got the ball to him, it was phenomenal. He was so great, he could elevate, he could make the difficult catch. So he has now signed a multi-year deal with the Tennessee Titans. And so, you know, I, I don't think they've you know disclosed terms of the deal just yet. But, uh, you know, Fred's a guy that uh, has been with the Broncos for a while. He was a practice squad guy and uh, got on the field some in 2019. Uh, matter of fact, I've got, uh, got his numbers right here. He didn't, didn't have a lot of catches, but uh, he was a guy that played and, um, you know, played a little bit last year too. So, you know, he's a guy too that um, probably a value pick for them. You could get a veteran guy that's been around a little bit. But uh, kind of looking here at, at Fred's numbers, you know, looking at his Wikipedia page, I guess it's good work if you can get it. Uh, Fred, according to Wikipedia, you know, his salary, <laughs> crazy. Last year, $397,000 for a guy that didn't get on the field a whole lot. But happy for Fred. And I uh, just wanted to kind of talk a little bit about that too, about that – it's important to understand there's always going to be people that dig these things up. You know, no matter, no matter, what, no matter what you do in life, no matter, no matter what, how successful you could be, he could take and donate his salary to, to uh, solving literacy problems in the state of Mississippi, but that there's always, always going to be somebody out there trying to get some clickbait, you know, to get you to go click on their article and say, oh, latest guy was kicked out of college, idiot. Kind of, it just makes me. It just makes me angry. It really does, really, really does. All right. So, moving along from that, because I don't want to spend a lot of time on that, because I'll get, I'll get angry, and, I, and it's already a long show. I know you guys. I, I get so many people say, "Steve, will never apologize for the show running long." We're happy to do it, but um, I don't want to get in the habit of having these ninety-minute shows. So, I touched on it a little bit. Uh, on Monday, you know, we had uh, Colin Hill and Marquis Spencer both were drafted. And, um, you know, here's what I would say about all that. I know some people have some strong opinions, you know, about some of this stuff. And I just think at some point we got to put it behind us. You know, and a lot of people, oh, I don't like Colin Hill and he did that. You know, you know, listen, there's a time to kind of let bygones be bygones, and this is it. What do we gain by holding a grudge at this point? I had some people tell me when Mike Leach was hired that Colin Hill would be fortunate to make it through spring practice. You know, because Colin was a guy that was a little bit emotional at times, and I just wasn't going to wasn't going to fly. You know, with the new coaching staff. You know, Joe was a guy that would kind of give Colin some room to kind of do that kind of stuff, and and maybe to his detriment. But. The fact that Colin Hill opted out is not different than a lot of other people. The circumstances behind it are. But at the end of the day, it's over now. He's not here anymore. And my hope is that he'll go and and, uh, have a great career and do the things that he needs to do to kind of support his family. And 
and that's it. You know, just kind of move forward. I, I just, I, don't, I think it's we're just wasting a lot of negative energy. You know, uh, focusing on that. You know, I mean, this is a guy too that um, you know came in here and did the best he could for for three and a half years. Didn't have to come back, but he did. Didn't work out the way we wanted, but he did. He did come back. So running down some other stuff here too. I don't know if you guys knew knew about all this. Of course, uh, you know, Marquise uh, goes to the Broncos. Kobe Jones. Signed a free agent deal with Atlanta. And good for Kobe. You know, Kobe is a guy, too, that I think Kobe probably hangs on as a practice squad guy. He'll be a great guy in the locker room. And so he and Errol Thompson both. I guess Marcus Murphy, too. Yeah, Marcus Murphy, Errol Thompson, and Kobe Jones all headed to the Atlanta Falcons. That's pretty cool. Darian Parker headed to Chicago, Chicago Bears. I won't be surprised if Darian doesn't make the team. I think that he's a guy that will obviously be a guard. But, I mean, he's he's a quiet, blue-collar guy that will go in there. He's not going to be a guy that's going to be trouble. And I, I really do. I think that he's got a good chance to make the team. Greg Iowan headed up there to Seattle. I think he's got a real challenge in front of him. Um, Osiris Mitchell signs with Dallas, who joins Dak out there. That'll be interesting for sure. So not a lot of traction out there, you know, but, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of guys that we expected to get drafted. I think we all kind of agreed that uh, probably the best case scenario was to be three to get Errol and Marquise and and uh, Kylan drafted. We got two of the three, and they all went late. I think Kylan probably went later than most people expected. I know some people, sadly, some of our people were saying, oh, I hope he goes undrafted. I, I don't wish that on anybody. I really don't. I know it's it's very difficult to get those opportunities. And so, um, you know, so I don't, I just don't see any point in being negative about that. So that's the latest from the pro side of things. And I don't know if you guys saw it too. Uh, 247 Sports had an article too about Dak Prescott saying that he could go play in a game right now. I don't know if that's true, but I like to hear that. I'm looking forward to seeing Dak back on the field. Absolutely. Okay, so let's wrap up with some recruiting. A segment of the show brought to you by the folks at Portico. Many of you have dreamed of one day moving back to or moving to Starkville for the first time. It's been one of those things that's been on your mind and say, hey, you know what, one day. Maybe this is the day. Maybe now's the time to get serious about that. Make sure that you get your information. Portico very conveniently located, just over an hour from camp, an hour, just over a mile from campus, 1.1 miles from campus. Matter of fact, I was on Garrett Road today. Very easy to get to. You turn off of Highway 82 onto 12 like you're going to campus. The very first right takes you to Garrett Road. You cross over Old West Point Road. Next thing you know, there's Portico right there, 1.1 miles from campus. You can find a home that'll fit any size family. Within reason, you know, if you've got the Brady Bunch, it might be a little tight squeeze in there. But I'm going to encourage you to reach out to Brooks. Brooks is uh, not going to steer you in the wrong direction. That's for sure. Brooks is a guy that cares about Mississippi State. Brooks is a guy that cares about you. Brooks is a guy that's invested in our community. Right behind the Hilton Garden Inn and Cry for Jeep dealership, if you're unfamiliar with the area I was talking about, it's going to be a 51-house residential development. Second phase of construction is getting going now. 1,300 to 2,000 square foot house, and that's more than enough for most of you. Two-bedroom, two-bath, it's a four-bedroom, four-bath. 
If you need more information, and I'm sure you do, give Brooks a call. Brooks Bryan's phone number. And don't tell him I gave it to you. No, 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 do tell him. He might even tell you some Bulldog baseball stories. Call him at 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075. You'll be glad you did. Make Portico your next move. All right, so Mississippi State recruiting class currently ranked 11th in the country. We expect that to change. Okay, it's fun right now to talk about it because we don't ordinarily get off to such a good start. That's one of the conversations that I've had over to jeanspage.com message boards, and you need to get over there and help me kind of fight the good fight on a message board at times. Uh, but and people are like, well, you know, Steve, it's May. Yeah, you're right, it's May. Well, when's the last time we were in the top 15 in May? Can you tell me? Because I do keep up with that. And I can tell you it's been forever and a day. We'd rarely ever get off to this big a start. Dan Mullen did his best recruiting in the summer months. And so a lot of times, you know, we would already kind of be trailing, and then we, then we would kind of push toward the top 25. We're off to a good start, and we don't even have the four-stars committed yet. And so that's the, the, one of the things the casual fans say, well, Steve, where are the four-stars? They're coming. They're coming. Now, I don't expect to stay in the top 15. So we don't expect to push into the top 10 in the end. I mean, we may get a big commitment here in the next day or two, and who knows? Maybe that pushes you in the top 10, but we won't stay there. Okay, we're not going to stay there. But this is a class that should stay right around 20. I think you've got a really good chance to have a top 20 class. We've had two of those this century. Just let, 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 let that sink in. Jackie Sherrill had one. Dan Mullen had one. We've had two top 20 classes this century. Now, I know Mike Leach has this reputation of not being a good recruiter. And I think a lot of that is rooted in the fact that he, he was recruiting in Lubbock, Texas, and Pullman, Washington. Well, now all of a sudden that he's here in Starkville, Mississippi, where you have better facilities than you had at both places, and there is a greater proximity to Power 5 football talent, you're seeing the benefit of it. Last year was a transition year for us, and we still had a 20, top 25 class. And so now when you begin to kind of roll this thing forward and say, okay, well, now, now we're kind of getting a look at what Mike Leach can do when we have a good year in state – and we've got some time to build some relationships. And I guess I give a lot of credit, too, for them kind of keeping our recruiting staff on. Of course, some of those guys have moved on. Mike Villagrana left to go to Marshall and joined Charles Hoff. Mason Smith went back to his alma mater at OSU. Yeah, but Rod Gibson and the rest of the crew, and they're working hard. Andrea, Kai, the whole group, they're doing what they can to help you guys. And right now, they've got the 11, number 11 recruiting class in the country. And so you've got some relationships built. You've got some people that are out there working hard for you. And so the question now becomes, okay, what's next? I wrote an article on uh, Tuesday. You may have read it. And I don't, I'll, I'll kind of give you the highlights here. You know, we get Braden Locke committed for, as our quarterback over the weekend. There's only one school left in the SEC that's expected to take a quarterback that hadn't taken one. And that's Ole Miss. Twelve of the 14 schools in the SEC – They've already committed a quarterback for 2022. The two that haven't, Arkansas and Ole Miss, and Arkansas didn't plan to take one. So I don't say that it's a criticism of Ole Miss. I'm just trying to show how complete the picture pretty much is. At this point, there's only one SEC quarterback spot available, and that's going to be at Ole Miss. And maybe that's helpful to them because they can kind of put that in their sales pitch and say, hey, listen, we're the last school that can provide you with the opportunity to play in a Southeastern Conference. And, And that's what I would say. You know, we, we were being selective, kind of taking our time, looking for the right person. And so we believe you're that person. 
but we're the only school left that can let the, uh, give you the ability to play in the greatest cathedrals in all of college football. So we've got our quarterback committed, so what's next for us? Well, offensive line recruiting, I, I, I think you're going to see that take off in June. Now, the reason that I say that is June 4th is Big Dog Camp Day. Usually we would do the basic camps in June and then do Big Dog Camp is really the last camp day before summer vacation because then everybody came back and we got into fall camp. That's how we did it under Mullen. It was a little bit different under Joe. Matter of fact, we didn't even call it Big Dog Camp. We called it Top Dog Camp. I preferred Big Dog Camp. It made better sense. I'd rather be a big dog than a top dog, but I digress. I think it sounds a lot tougher. The Big Dog Camp is June 4th. And so there are probably about a dozen guys that are kind of being recruited for the last three spots. you got a couple of offensive linemen committed. Now, Jacarius Clayton is an OLDL out of Tupelo. And so he will probably get to cut his college teeth on the defensive line first. I think that's what he wants to do. And he says he's open to do – he just wants a chance to play on the D-line. If it doesn't work out, he's willing to go play the O-line. And you've got to love a guy like that, right? The guy just wants to be at Mississippi State. And he goes like, hey, coach, this is what I really want to do. But if that didn't work out, I want to help a team. So I want to be able to play on the offensive line. So I'm willing to do what you need me to do. Now, the fact that he wants to go play on the D-line is fine, especially the fact that Gabe Cavazos is expected to rejoin the team here at the end of the month. Gabe, of course, was an, an early graduate. Probably shouldn't have been, but he was. But he's expected to rejoin the team at the end of the month. And so now you got him back, and so now you're kind of even more okay with Clayton going and kind of getting started on the D-line. And if he worked his way back to the O-line, that's cool. If he sticks on the D-line, that's cool too. And then you've got Jackson Cannon. And some people have said, hey, why would we take him so early? And I think a lot of it's just you want to get – you got, when you're taking five, you know you're going to take a developmental guy or two, and so you go kind of go ahead and get that done and kind of do some big game hunting. And then you get into camps, and there's always going to be one or two guys that emerge in camps. But offensive line recruiting, I think, is really going to take off in the month of June. Now, Trent Singleton's a guy we've talked about on the show several times. Trent, an athlete out of Raymond High School, I expect him to play defensive back, possibly safety. But he's a guy to play some corner in high school because he is so athletic. And so I think that uh, you'll see him to be a bulldog before this month is over. And then we'll kind of work through some other things. Uh, still got some guys we're working on, obviously, to finish up the 2021 class. Going to have a couple of guys sign uh, blue shirt deals, and they'll count to 2022. But, you know, it, it kind of is what it is at this point. You know, I think we all feel pretty good about where things are headed. And just when we thought, okay, it'll slow down just a little bit, you know, we're, we should pick up at least one more commitment this month. And then I think June is going to be really big, especially in the trenches. And speaking of June, yeah, there's a lot of discussion that MRA linebacker Stone Blanton will make his decision in June. And based on the things that I've heard right now, I think Mississippi State's in a good spot with him. Not finished. It's not done yet. Got a good chance to get that done in June, I believe. And so let's say you pick up Trent Singleton in May. You pick up Stone Blanton in June. Well, now all of a sudden you're over halfway done. You got, you're 13, then you got two guys who are going to sign blue shirts. It takes you to 15, so you got 10 spots left. You're going to fill some of those in the summer months because of the experience at camp. And then you're going to get into the season, you're probably chasing a half dozen guys. And so I like the approach right now. We have to finish. You know, R.J. Moss is a guy, of course, is a four-star guy. 
my best source down there told me he measured in at six three and a half last week, and I think if he comes to Mississippi State and measures in like that and has the camp showing that we expect, I believe he'll be a bulldog by the end of June. So another four-star guy. So be patient, be excited of where we are, and but again, it's kind of like having you know a two two possession lead in the second quarter of a ball game, right? We may get to the half with the lead. We want to get to the whistle, the final whistle with the lead. That's what we're kind of working on now. So it's okay to be excited that we're doing well. Now we've got to finish well. You know, we can't just go in the tank and say, okay, we're done. That's one of the things that makes this class a little different. And years past, like when Joe and them would get a, you know, get some things going early on, you know, we kind of shoot our wide early and not have much to add on the back end. That's not the case this year. We've got some big fish out there that we can still go get, guys like Bryson Hurst, Offensive lineman out of Gaucher, you know, Don Terry Russell, defensive lineman out of Provine. So, you know, we've got some four stars we can add to kind of add some bulk to this class. So, again, it's okay to feel good and be excited about where we are. We don't always have to be so downtrodden and think, well, it's not going to last. You know, I'm glad I didn't date some of you guys. I'll be honest with you. I'm really glad that, that um, I didn't date somebody with that mentality because, you know, I, I, want a, I want a forever deal, Okay. All right, so let's get out of here. It's late in the morning, and i got to get some rest. And so we'll be back with you guys on Friday. And, again, I'll record that show Thursday evening, so it'll probably show up on your app much earlier than normal because I'm going to try to get into bed because i get up really early and get on the road to South Carolina and see if I can't go help us win a ball game or two. All right, until then, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.